So this is my friend, uh, Austin. Everyone say, hey, Austin. Yeah, wow, that was lame. That was weak. <laughs> Thanks, Austin. Hey, if you could, on that table right there, Austin, there's uh, my iPad and two pieces of paper. If you could bring them up right there. Awesome. So as I was worshiping over there, I realized I said, coint justity. Did anyone else notice that? I'm sorry. <laughs> did I say that? I did. I know. I said it and I was like, whoa, that did not sound right. So I had to repeat it to make sure I, I said it the right way. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm just going to pray before we get started here into the word. God, I thank you that you're so here. I thank you that you're, you're doing miraculous things inside of our hearts and in our bodies. God, we thank you that you're so present, you're so near, not just when we're at church, but everywhere and everywhere we go. And thank you, God, you want to use us, you want to speak to us, you want to show us who we are created to be. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh-oh. Okay, good. I thought I lost all my notes and stuff. How are you guys doing? You guys doing good? Doesn't sound like it, but... I'll just assume that you're just still weeping because of that worship set. Um, so last week, Nick had, had mentioned that you know we had the night of worship, and I was, well, I wouldn't say I was bummed because I was on a cruise, but I was bummed that I couldn't be here. Seriously, I heard only phenomenal things. I heard people, I heard people stepped out. Um, maybe out of their comfort zone and were, was praying for people. They might maybe not have done that before. People were encouraging one another. People were worshiping. People were engaged in what was going on. So I'm so sorry I missed out. I was here in spirit. Um, but I did have a wonderful cruise. It was, I, I think I gained six pounds. Because um, on a cruise, it's unlimited food. Seriously, they, have, they make pizza from 10 a.m. to 3 a.m. And it's free. Well, we pay for it, but... Oh, man. So I look a little pudgier. That's, that's why. That's why. Um, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be here. It's, it's seriously the highlight of my week, um, being here with all of you. Um, before I get started, I, wanna, I wanted to give some recognition. I wanted to, to, you could say, give a shout out to some people from Access who aren't here. Um, and I don't know if they're list watching online or not, but either way, um, I was just, as I was, I was sleeping last night and, and God, I was praying and, and I just started remembering all these people who, who used to attend access, who are now literally all over the world and who are ministering to people all over the world. And I, and, and I wanted to recognize them. I wanted to honor them. We have Andrew, uh, Van Drunen, who's in California in a, in a ministry leadership school. He's soon here. He's going, I, maybe to Thailand. He's going on a mission, long-term mission trip, and he's, he's doing God's work there in California, learning and growing in, in, in who God is calling him to be. Um, we have Darby, who used to serve on our, our worship team. She's an Australia mate, um, and she's just pursuing um, the passion that God placed on her heart for worship. Um, we have Gabe Hulse, who's in California at Bethel's School of Supernatural Ministry. Um, we have Mitch Garcia and Savannah Garcia who are at Bethel um, School of Supernatural Ministry who are just learning and growing and who God's calling them to be. 
We have Jalen Bauer, who's in Japan, um, doing some mission work in Japan. Oh man, we have Rebecca Noost, who's in Guatemala, serving in Guatemala. And, and seriously, there's, there's people that I, that I didn't even put on here. We're making, access is having an impact all over the world, not because of what we're doing, but because of the people and what God's doing through you. Literally all over the world, Japan, Australia, Guatemala, California, all over the world. It's just an honor to, to, to be a part of that. It's an honor to, to know these people and, and, and be encouraged by their, their faith and by their boldness to, to go and do something that may be uncomfortable, that may be hard and difficult to leave their families. So I just wanted to honor them and, and, and say we're proud of them and we're, we're thankful for them. So we're going to get into the message tonight. Um, I titled it Crowned Through Trials. Crowned through trials. <laughs> I, I, I love the verse. It's in the gospel. I don't have it up there. Jesus is talking and he says, in this world, it's like a promise, you know, all the promises of God. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Promise. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Take heart. In this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> I'm just warning you, and most of us already know this because we live life. So what I also noticed is that what a lot of preachers, preachers will do is, is um, we'll take like Old Testament stories. So you have like David and Goliath. And then they'll, they'll, they'll take it and then they'll They'll use it as an example in today's life. So they'll say, yes, you have all your giants in your life, David and Goliath. You have the giants that you're facing, whether it's your, your school loan payments, whether it's, whether it's your car payments, whether it's family relationships. So we take these, these things that we face, the trials that we face, and we compare them to the things that, that the Old Testament characters or the biblical characters, biblical people might have went through. And we, if we really think about it, I wonder why pastor, why we, preachers, why we do this? Because if we, th it's literally no comparison. You take David going against Goliath, and then we put it up against my school loans. It's like, come on. We take Moses parting the Red Sea, and we say, God, you split that that thing that's right in front of me. It's like, dude, that's not a that's that's not a sea. You're you're it's a puddle. <laughs> so we, I just think it's funny that we compare the trials that they face to the trials that we face and not saying that our trials and the things that we go through aren't significant and they aren't real. They are real, but they're just totally different. I just think it's comical that, that, that preachers will do that sometimes, myself included. I'm not safe from that, from that stereotype. So we're going we're gonna to be going through the book of James, James, James 1, first chapter. Oh man, talk about a dude, man. So growing up, I, I have four brothers. Um, I have a little brother whose name is Joey. Most, most of you know, some of you may know Joey. He's a freak athlete. I mean, ask, ask Andrew or his Todd. Where's Todd? Cornette? Over there. Dalton. Joey's just a, I mean, he's a freak athlete. Um, doesn't work out 
but can like bench press all this weight, doesn't work out, is the strongest dude that I know, is just a freak. And I grew up, to be honest with you, I was jealous. I was like, and I was, I, I, was, I was decently strong. I was decently athletic. But I was like, man, I got to live up to my little brother. Like, this is terrible. It's not so bad now, but growing up in high school, it was always comparing. We went to different schools even. So who had the better record? Who scored more points in basketball? Um, and I totally... It wasn't even a comparison. Joey was like the West Michigan High School Player of the Year. He was the Class D, um, Class D in the State of Michigan Player of the Year. He was on the West Michigan um, Dream Team for basketball in high school. He got a scholarship to play at Cornerstone. They're actually at Nationals right now in Branson, Missouri. So good luck to Cornerstone. You're not watching because you're probably playing a game, but I still give you a shout out. <laughs> so, anyways, I I I had to. You could say I was comparing myself all the time to my little brother, not healthy. But I can't even imagine what James went through. <laughs> you know who his brother was? Jesus. <laughs> like, dude, that's not even fair. It's like, your, your, your father is God. I got Joseph. Talk about comparing, and it's interesting if you read the historical accounts, if you read, um, it's not in, it won't say it in the Bible, but if you read some history on the Bible and the context, James actually didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe that Jesus said who he was. He didn't believe that, that Jesus was the Messiah because he grew up with him. He's like, dude, I saw mom spank you. I saw mom change your diaper. Jesus didn't get spanked because he didn't sin, so I mean, but... He saw, I mean, it's how hard it would have been to have your brother be the savior of the world. If my brother came to me and said, I was there at the creation of the world, I'd be like, dude, shut up. Come on. Conceited, prideful, no way. This is what James had to deal with, and, and even through his death, and through him, him dying, he still didn't believe. And then it wasn't until actually he, Jesus was raised to life and he saw him that he said, okay, I guess, tip my hat. <laughs> I guess you're the real deal. So James is writing this book and James became um, a pretty significant figure in the early church where he was he was evangelizing and he was spreading the news of his brother, Jesus, who was the savior of the world, the man who came to destroy the religious system, the man who came to, to, to make it so we no longer had to pay for our sins, but that we could receive by grace the free gift of salvation, the free gift of connection, relationship, pursuit with God. He came in preaching that message, and James is a letter that he, that he writes. It says to all of the tribes of Judah, or all the tribes of Israel. He wrote it to the 12 tribes. So, and, and, so he wrote this to the Jewish people, the Christian Jewish people. So we're going to go through James chapter 1. So we're going to start James 1, 2, verse, uh, 2 through 4. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is not a popular verse, but it's a good one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. So quitting is pretty popular in, in especially our demographic, our age group. Quitting is very popular. It's very acceptable. It's very natural. It's, it will probably be very rare if any of us in this whole room of this size, if any of us will keep one, the same job throughout our entire life. I don't believe this to be true with this group of people, but in general, it's very rare for somebody to stay married to the same person throughout their entire life. I'm not saying that about this group of people. I'm saying the general across America in the world. It's very rare to complete things after they become difficult. It's hard for us. I'm just looking at my, my friend Justin here. <laughs> I mean, this dude, this dude doesn't quit. The thing I admire about him the most, I was out to Chick-fil-A with him. Chick-fil-A? We got to Chick-fil-A and he was telling me that when, when he was growing up, his dad, his dad taught him something. He, his dad taught him a, a, a principle that there was no problem that couldn't be solved. And if you know Justin, <laughs> you know there isn't a problem that he will not solve. He might have to rip it apart. Um, he might have to spend hours and hours, but he will finish it. He will complete it. He will persevere. It's the thing I, I respect and, and I and appreciate about him so much because I tend to fall on the opposite spectrum. I find something hard. I'm like, okay, who can I call to pay so that they can fix my problem? Persevering is, is, is something that's unpopular, but I think it, perseverance is a principle in Christianity. It's a principle in our in our walk with Christ that we must, that we must, that we must value, cherish, and hold tight to. Jesus promised it will get tough. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And I, I find it interesting. He says, consider it. James says, consider it pure joy when we face trials, I love this part, of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when we face trials, when we face difficulties, when we face scenarios, when we face relationships, when we face circumstances that are inconvenient, disappointing, dramatic. Consider it pure joy 
Why would we consider it pure joy when we go through crap? When we go through sticky situations, why would I consider it joy? It makes no sense. Sometimes the kingdom of God doesn't make sense. Amen? Sometimes God doesn't make sense. Amen? I mean, he, he always gets, gets it right, but sometimes to our, to our logic, it, doesn't, it just doesn't click. It doesn't seem like it adds up. So why would we consider it pure joy? To answer that question, I want to I wanna bring up the life of Jesus. I want to read from Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. This is the point. For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus took a journey through his life that was uncomfortable. He took a journey of his life that, that he went through many, 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 many trials, trials that we cannot even imagine. Social trials, relational trials, physical trials. And it says he did it for the joy set before him. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. I don't think it means that Jesus was smiling, giggling, laughing when he was getting beaten by the, by the guards. I don't think he was laughing when he was being nailed to the cross. I don't think that was the kind of joy that, that, he, was, that he was displaying. But I believe his, his countenance, his demeanor, he, was, he knew what it meant. He knew that the trial had to happen in order for the end result to occur. So the joy that he had, the joy, the reason why he was so thrilled to do what he did, there's some... He was thrilled, although it was difficult because he went to the garden that could send me. He said, God, if you can take this cup from me, take it from me. But it doesn't mean he was, still wasn't joyful and he still wasn't looking forward to following through. It was the joy set before him and his, the joy was you. The joy was me. The joy was all of us. That was the joy set before him. Jesus expressed joy because we were coming to him as a result of the trial. I'll say that again. Jesus expressed joy because we were coming. We, the, the human race, that we were disconnected from God. So the joy was that we would get reconnected to God through Jesus. So Jesus expressed joy because we were coming to him as a result of the trial, get ready for this. Why do we express joy? We express joy because Jesus is coming to us as a result of our trial. We were his result because of his trial. 
Jesus is our result if we'll maintain a countenance of joy through our trial. I don't even know what I said. <laughs> we ex- Jesus, ex- oh gosh, I'm sorry, you threw me off, Brittany, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, was so good. it wasn't me, that wasn't me, I can't even remember it, it was totally God. Oh, Go God. <laughs> Yay God. <laughs> we go through trials And if we can do that, if we can go through our trials with a countenance of joy, Jesus will be displayed through our life. Jesus is the result that we get. (laughs) Wow. It's quiet in here. let let uh, (laughs) Let me play a scenario out for you. I was laughing because... How do you guys, can you show me, how do you guys do like a phone, like the phone? Like, if you're going to like pretend like you have a phone, what are you going to do? Like this, what are you doing? I can't, okay. Jordan, what are you going to do? That, okay. I was laughing because my, Abby, my wife, what do you do, babe? She goes like this. (laughs) I looked at her one day, I was like, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) Who does, oh, this way? Oh, this way, I guess a little easier, it's a little better. So she does the phone like this. No, she goes. You go like this? Okay, she does this. Anyways, I just thought it was funny. Is it Bluetooth? This is Bluetooth. Phone call, Bluetooth. Um, I want to play a scenario out for you. It's a phone call that, that you might have with someone. This is totally funny. So let's just say I got a, I got a buddy, and, and, and I call him. I say, hey, what's up, man? He goes, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me. What is it? I'm going through this whale of a trial right now, my man. No way. What is it? Oh, you wouldn't believe my boss. He is persecuting me like crazy. He is calling me all sorts of names. He's spreading rumors about me. You wouldn't believe it. Oh, Oh, man, I'm so jealous of you right now. I'm so jealous of you because I wish I was going through something like that. I know, man, you'll get your chance. Don't worry. Just wait. You'll get your chance, brother. Don't worry. Yeah, I can't wait just to to leak Jesus all over these people because they won't be able to handle it. Oh, man, I'm praying for mine. Don't worry. Will you pray for me? Pray that I get one of those? Yeah, brother, I'll pray for you. All right, God bless. Bye. I know it's funny, but what if those were our conversations? What if that was the type of conversation that we were having that when we went through stuff, not that we can't ever... Um, mourn the things or struggle with the things, but we actually would have a countenance of joy through the trials because we understand that the trial is always supposed to become a testimony. That we understand that the trial is always supposed, is always meant, is always purposed for us to represent Jesus in a situation. If you think about all the people in the, in the Old Testament, all the people who are significant, if you think about Moses, who had to go through great trial with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. If you think about David, who had to face Goliath and Saul. If you think about Gideon, who had to face thousands upon thousands of of enemies with only 300 men. If you think about 
Almost all of the characters, uh, Daniel, who's in the lion's den, you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were in the fiery furnace. If you, all of these characters, the only reason why they're significant is because they didn't bow in the moment of trial. The only reason why we know about these people in the Bible is because they went through something that was, that was so difficult. They went through hell, but they still displayed and were faithful to Jesus through it all. Why do, why do we know about the miracle on ice? USA Olympic hockey team? Anyone? It's because they were the underdogs. It's because they had such a big uh, opponent facing them. Trials, and I've said this before in previous messages, but I can't reiterate it enough. Problems or trials are opportunities for God to come through on his promises. There are opportunities for us to, to represent Jesus to a lost and dying world. And how we handle difficult situations, how we, how we respond to trials, plays a large part in, in what, how people perceive us to be. I've heard it said before that it's not how you act that matters, it's how you react. <laughs> Anyone can act. There's a lot of actors, and they're really good. They're out there, they make movies, and they convince us they're playing a role that they're not even, that's not even who they are. It's not even true to who they are. So how we're reacting to our, to our situations matters a whole bunch. So what God actually wants to do figure out where I'm at. What God actually wants to do is he wants to take all of our negative, I did this just for those visual people, because I know some of you are already getting bored with me. Um, it's true, I was an elementary school teacher, and I see your faces, so it's okay, I'm not offended. Um, God wants to take all of our negative situations, and he wants to put a positive twist on them. God recognizes negatives, but he only deals with positives. So he wants to take the situation, the trials, the temptations, the things that we're going through, the things that we're struggling with, he wants to take those negative things and he, want to put, he wants to put a positive perspective on that situation. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you, he wants to give you a vision. He wants to give you hope that that, that circumstance, that, that situation will turn out. He wants to give you hope and he wants to give you perseverance. He wants to give you grace so that you can persevere, so you can stick to it, so that you can keep going. So we go through all this stuff. We have our trials, so we have the purpose for our trial and the purpose of the trial, the purpose of going through stuff, the purpose of life, the purpose of living life, because we all face the trials. The purpose of it is for us to recognize the negatives and put a positive twist on it. That's what Jesus' ministry was all about. That's what Jesus came to, to do. He came to take everything negative and turn it into a positive. He came to take death, which was in us, and he turned it into life. He came to take someone who was lost and he came to bring them in so that they would be found. He came to take a hopeless world and he came to bring them hope. See, he's taking negatives, turning them into positives and I believe that's happening 
and that, that is happening in, in, in our congregation within, within us. And as, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we get to take that with us wherever we go. It creeps people out when you're positive. I promise you, if you start talking like that phone conversation, you might lose some friends or you might get, they might call the insane asylum on you. Um, because it's just so abnormal, but that's actually, this is the way the kingdom of God works. It's the way that God is, is working through us. So if we keep reading in James 1, holy cow, it's 819. If you keep reading in James 1, 5 through 8, so we were going through in the context of trials, in the context of perseverance, in the context of keep going. I'm talking slower than I normally do, aren't I? I'll speed it up a little bit. Buckle up. Buckle up. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. This is in, this is in context of trials, temptations, difficult times. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, excuse me, and unstable in all they do. I want to focus on that first verse five when it says, if, you, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God. So when we're going through our trials, when we're going through the, these things, when we're moving through our Christian life and stuff's just happening because it happens, when we're going through it and something happens, we consider it all joy. We consider it all joy because we know that if we consider it all joy, Jesus will come in and show up in our lives and be something we couldn't be yesterday. Because if you're not sick, God can't be your healer. If we're hopeless, God cannot, Jesus cannot be our hope. So it's in our moments of weakness, it's in our moments that God shows up and meets us in the point and becomes the person who he is. He becomes an aspect, a different angle of who he is. He becomes that personally to us. So in those moments, if we lack wisdom, he says, ask God. This is so important that when we go through things, there's, there's, there's a dynamic of relational expectancy that God that God desires from us. God desires relationship with us through the trials. We're never supposed to persevere and keep going on our own. We're never supposed to just put our head down and keep going. God actually desires for us to ask him what he thinks about what we're going through. He actually desires that we ask him for wisdom. And he says, if you ask and you believe that I am who I am and that I will give you wisdom, I will give you all wisdom. But the wisdom that you receive might not look like what you expect. Because of the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. The world, the world is an enemy of God. And so the wisdom that we receive might not look like what we think it might look like. But when we ask, he says he'll give it to us. And if we can give it in this, this, this demeanor of joy, if we can receive it and then we can ask God for wisdom and we're going through, how should I handle this? God, what do you see through this situation? If we ask, he says, I will give it to you. If you don't doubt, if you believe that I'm good, if you believe that I'm a God who follows through in what he says. So what kind of wisdom do we expect to receive? James 3.17 says, but the wisdom that comes, this is later on in James, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. 
then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So when we ask for wisdom, he wants to give us a pure perspective. He wants to give us peace and loving perspective. He wants to give us a considerate perspective of our situation. He wants to give us a submissive demeanor and stance as we approach our circumstance. He wants to fill us with mercy and he wants to fill us with good fruit. He wants, to, wants us to be impartial and he wants us to be sincere. That is the wisdom that we will receive. And if we can operate in that, I think we're doing pretty good. You know what Jesus was tempted? He went to the wilderness and, and it says, the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted by the tempter, Satan. So, so Jesus was led into the wilderness and as you might know the story, he fasts or he doesn't eat for 40 days and then the devil comes, Satan comes and he says, it says Jesus was hungry and the Satan said, here, if you are the son of God, turn this rock into bread and eat it. And Jesus responds, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then he goes on and he, and he tempts him again with throwing himself off the mountain and, and angels coming and catching him. And then he tempts him again by saying, look at, I, look at all the, he brings him up on a high mountain and he sees all the kingdoms and he says, I have the kingdom. If you'll bow down and worship me, then I'll give you all, all of it. You'll have all authority of the kingdom. I'll give it to you if you worship and you bow down to me. And Jesus responds again with scripture that man, we shall, worship, we shall worship the Lord our God and him only. We only worship God. He responded with wisdom from God. He responded with wisdom from God through scripture. He responded to the temptations, to the, to the trials that he was facing with wisdom. And this is the best part. James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen. Blessed is the one who perseveres. And as I was praying about this service, I, I, I felt that I was supposed to say that there might be some people who think, who have been testing out Christianity, who have been testing out coming to church and doing the whole Jesus thing, and they're really considering not going forward. I, I want, I'm here to tell you, keep going. I'm here to tell you, don't stop. I'm here to tell you, persevere. I'm here to tell you, it's not that bad. I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to show himself to you in a way that you've never felt. I'm here to say, don't quit. I'm here to say, don't give up on God. Persevere, because if we will persevere through, the, through our lives, if we will continue to be plugged into Jesus, plugged into God, plugged into the, to, to, to our true source, if we continue to be plugged into him, it says that that person will receive the crown of life. Jesus is going to crown us with life. He's going to give us this crown of life. 
but it's for us who persevere. It's for those who persevere. It's for those who say, you know what? Even though it's hard, I trust God. It's for those who say, I consider it pure joy because Jesus thought it was joy to get me, so I'll go through the trial so I can get him. Amen. Consider it pure joy and we'll be crowned with the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When you pray with me, God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you're so good. I thank you that you're so present. You care so much. You're so compassionate for us. You're so passionate about us. And I pray for, for wisdom for, for all of us as we move forward in our lives. God, I pray that, I thank you, God, that you're gonna, you are going to show up and show yourself true to who you are as we move through our lives, as we continue to, to, to find out and, and figure out who you are for us. I thank you, God, you're so, you're so good and you're so faithful and that no matter what we go through, no matter what comes our way, God, we can display Jesus to the world. God, give us perspective, give us patience, and give us, God, show us our purpose so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. We can be the people that you have paid for us to be. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that we are loved by you, God, with a, with a passionate love. I thank you that we are all called to be children of God. And I love you, God, and I praise you for how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good evening, everybody. Um, I'm here to, I have the privilege of giving the offering message. So if the ushers want to step up and get ready. So I was, you know, Jake asked me to do this a few days ago on Tuesday, and I was really thinking, like, you know, I've been up here a few times before, and always give an example and with the word about why it's important to give. But it's been on my heart lately that God is the ultimate example. And here in Proverbs 3, 20, uh, 327 says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. So if you really think about it, what you give here is able to help somebody move closer to God. And not just in here, I would encourage people to give outside of these four walls because when you invest in somebody's life, you are telling them that they are important, that God loves them to a point when they, somebody they don't even know can come up to them and bless them. So I just really want everybody to think about that because somebody invested in you, somebody invested in me, and just really think and pray on that as God leads you. So if everybody just bow your heads as I pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for blessing us, blessing us, Lord, with the ability to bless someone else, Lord. I pray over the tithe this evening, Lord, that it will go where you want it to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.